we called last week lessons from the prayer of Jabez this week it's another lesson from the prayer of Jabez so let's look at 1st Chronicles chapter 4 and we're going to lift two verses verse 9 and 10 again and Jabez was more honorable than his brethren and his mother called his name Jabez saying because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, O that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, We worship you. We reverence you. We respect you. We revere you. And we love you. We love your son, the Lord Jesus. And we thank you for him. Thank you, Father, for the table this morning that reminds us of all that he's done and accomplished. And we thank you, Father, that those of us who are saved... Lord, we can come around this table as though afresh to Calvary to behold the Lamb of God and all that he's accomplished on our behalf. So, Father, we thank you this morning for Calvary, for your Son, the Lord Jesus. And we thank you now, Father, that your Spirit is with us in this place and in our midst. I pray, Father, that you would help me. Help me to bring the word this morning. And, Lord, would you encourage your people Maybe someone has come in unwell in their body. Heed them, we pray in Jesus' name. Maybe someone's come in afflicted and down in spirit. Would you lift them up and bless them? And Father, we ask you, when this morning is over, Lord, if there's one that's saved or even fallen away, backslidden, cold in heart, Lord, would you touch them and save them? Would you bring the backslider back? And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week, we don't want to do a big recap because I want to finish this this morning. But last week, we looked at Jabez, his name means to grieve or to be sorrowful. To grieve or to be sorrowful. The name Jabez is Chabetz in the Hebrew. means exactly the same. And it's only mentioned four times. That is, the name Jabez is mentioned four times in all of scripture in three verses and he was the head of a Calebite family we'll look a little more at that this morning he was the head of a Calebite family and there was a town named after him called Jabez and again we told you how the Jewish scholars affirmed that he was an eminent doctor of the law and we looked at how someone who starts off with a name like Jabez his mother bare him with sorrow, gives him that name. And then we looked at how names meant something in Israel, how they were prophetic. And even here, if you think of him being uh, just a baby and his mother saying, Jabez, we have bits, which means I bore him with sorrow or grief. What if he had have allowed that name? What if he had have allowed that name to determine his very future? Or what if he had have allowed that name to dominate his present? 
because when we're reading the prayer, he's praying it's in the present tense. And so what if he had said, well, you know, I'm no good. You know, I've never come to anything. I'm never going to do. My, there's been a, an utterance over me uh, of grief and sorrowful. Some people put it as a curse. I don't think it was a curse, but nevertheless, at the same time, it wasn't very helpful. And yet this man, Jabez, he, he ends up being all of these things we've spoken about this morning. And what it was we looked at, if you remember last week, don't let your past or something that's even happened in your past, don't let a bad start dominate your present today. Because if you do, it could determine how you react for the future. It could determine your future. There's many Christians who don't realize when they're saved, they're set free. When they're saved, when they're in Christ, they're set free. They're liberated from all of those demonic forces and powers or things that were said about them, to them, or over them. In Christ, you're a new creature. All things pass away and all things become new. In Christ, your sins are all forgiven. So in Christ, you are a child of God. Right now, believer, you're not waiting to be a child of God. You're not waiting to be a son of God a daughter of God. You are right now this moment. As you sit in your seat, that's who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's bringing many sons unto glory, saith the Hebrew Scriptures. Notice here, so all of this, don't let your past or something that happened, even at birth, don't let it dominate your present Don't let it dominate your life because your life can become embittered by it and hurt can grow even deeper by it. You'll never move on in God with it, Christian. Don't let it dominate your present because it determines at times where you will end up in life. People who have started out with hardship, uh, maybe some haven't started out with hardship, but those who have, sometimes they allow that to hold on to them and it comes right through their whole life. I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. I grew up in a little back street in Belfast. I didn't grow up with riches and pleasures. I didn't grow up anything like that. I didn't grow up with even a church-going family. I grew up in, let's put it in brackets, a nominal Protestant Presbyterian home. I wasn't saved. I didn't know Christ. I didn't know anything about the scriptures or the gospel. I didn't know that. And yet, if I allowed myself to stay there from Christ saved me, I had to learn who I am in him. You need to learn who you are in him. Listen, how many of you Christians hear it and say, you know, praise the Lord for it? And how many of you Christians hear it or even talk about it? And yet, really in your heart, you haven't got the victory over that, but you hear the devil is a defeated foe. Oh, amen. But it doesn't enter in for you to walk in the victory that Christ hath given you. Present tense. And that present tense may or will determine your future. Your future for ministry, for service of the Lord. So brothers and sisters, we need to not allow things, even in church. Church is one of the worst places to get hurt. In fact, there's more Christians are hurt in church than outside of church. And listen, the pastor gets hurt in church too. It's not just from the pastor or others. 
And so what we must do is we must realize, don't allow it to embitter us, but put it behind you and move on in God. Move on, for he's got things for you. He's, he's got things for you, believer. He wants you to walk in victory. He's coming for a glorious bride. He's not coming for one that's tattered and torn. He's coming for a glorious bride. And do you not know as you're seen now by your father, you're seen in the righteousness of Christ, you right now are justified, righteous in the father's eyes. Do you not know right at this moment, not only are you justified and righteous in the father's eyes, he sees you as glorious. He sees you because he sees you, believer, under the blood of Jesus. Does he know our failures and our faults? Absolutely he does. Absolutely. Thank God for grace. Amen. Who's glad of the grace of God? I am. I'll put my two hands up every single day. Thank God for his grace. And I'm not saying that flippantly. I'm saying it reverentially and wholeheartedly. Listen, believer, it's time to accept what Christ has accomplished and all that he has done. It's time for the church to believe what the word says and live according as this book tells us. We looked at Jabez and how his life changed and we've read all those things. We looked at four times in scripture his name is mentioned yet it isn't much four times, is it? But yet it's, it's in Scripture. So we looked at how this woman came and broke an alabaster box upon the Lord's head. One account was a memorial for her. Her heart's uh, motive was to worship Christ. And in the worship of Christ, this woman, what she did from her heart, spoke louder than all the brainiacs that were sitting around her, all the disciples, wondering who's going to be the biggest and the best in the kingdom. And isn't it a shame that sometimes, even in church, we hear that? Maybe, I'm booming down here, Daniel. Can you maybe turn me down a wee bit or something? I'm just, I'm booming all over the place. Thank you. In church, we can hear it too. In church, we can hear of the the. the Thank the Lord for theologians. I'm not against that. I, I love the, you know, the scripture, but sometimes people's heads are so full and stuffed of what their belief is that, that there's no room for grace. There's no room for the love of Christ. There's no room for the Spirit of God to move. Notice here, four times he's mentioned, and that little was enough for Jesus to say, this will be a memorial unto her. You know, sister, no matter, uh, matter what you're doing, and you think sometimes, you know, well, maybe this ministry isn't uh, really worth much, or you, brother, could think the same. Listen, it's not what people think. You might feel overlooked at times. Even by the pastor, you might feel overlooked at times. But I want to tell you something. It doesn't matter who overlooks you. He sees it. He knows it. It's him. It's Christ who sees it and knows it. So this, we looked at that last week. And then the, we're told that he was the head of a town of Judah. And in First Chronicles, just across the page really from where you are, chapter 2, verse 55 tells us this. 
First Chronicles 2 and verse 55 says, And the families of the scribes which dwelt at Jabez. Notice where the scribes were in this town. Why? Because he was believed to be a doctor of the law. Some believe there was a, a school, a theological college here, as it were, which dwelt at Jabez, and it tells us all those big, wonderful names who was there. So when we look at this, we have to look at how a simple act of worship from the heart of a woman touched the heart of Christ. And now this man, Jabez, by pressing on and not allowing his past to dominate his present nor to determine his future, he has now got this town named after him. So we want to move on this morning to the next one because Jabez made his mark in society in this town and in life. He's the head of a Calebite family. For example, if you'll write this down, I don't really want to go too much into it for time's sake this morning, but if you would read Numbers chapter 13 when you go home. Numbers chapter 13. And this is the story of the 12 spies being sent out from Israel to spy Canaan land. They cross the Jordan, they have to go out. How close can you be to the promised land and then be turned away. How close could someone get to heaven, as it were, and not be saved? Like Judas Iscariot, who kissed Christ on the cheek. He went to his own place. How close? Maybe someone here and you think, well, you know, I'm religiously close. I talked to a man during the week. I won't say who it is because he's here this morning. The people thought he was saved and he wasn't. He led the life. How close can you be and you're not actually saved? Without receiving Christ. Listen, this isn't a religious come up the aisle and put a hand up. Now, not against altar calls because I was saved in an altar call. This isn't about this. This is about the word of God entering the heart. This is about the, uh, that that Christ encounter where you've encountered him where you've repented of your sins where you've seen the Lamb of God where you've seen your, your transgressions and your sins paid for in full by Christ on the cross where you see it's all in him and at that place and there alone and there you realize it's by the regeneration birth of you being born again of the Spirit born from above and realizing you're a sinner in need of a saviour, and Christ is the only one. But how close do people think they are to heaven? They were right at the border of the promised land. The only thing to stop them was the river and their belief to step over. I remember oh, 20 years ago or so, I talked to a man called John, and I says, John, what is keeping you from coming to Christ? All his family had got saved. What's keeping you from coming to the Lord? What's keeping you from getting saved? He says, I don't know. I get so far and I come back again. Many people like that. Get so far and then they come back again. And I says, do you know what you remind me of, John? You remind me of a toe dipper. He says, what's a toe dipper? I says, do you ever see someone going to the edge of the swimming pool and they're not sure how cold it is and they do that? That's a toe dipper. I says, and that's what you're doing. You're getting so far and it's like, no, I don't know if I'll make that step. But you know what? By irresistible grace, God drew him 
that man has saved these years. Notice this. Notice this. Caleb and Joshua are the only two out of the 12 who come back with a good report from the promised land. The other 10 are given a bad report. Oh, there's giants in the land. We were like grasshoppers, they said. We're like grasshoppers, and they're so big, and their cities are walled to heaven. Talk about exaggeration. Talk about exaggeration. The walls weren't walled to heaven. They were tall, but they weren't walled to heaven. They weren't the giants that were hearing off in Noah's day. Maybe the old Goliath running about in his family and things like that. But these people, you think it was a land full of them and the devil's so big and the devil's so great and the devil's so mighty. Listen, God said, you go over and you'll get the victory. And they didn't do it. They came back with a bad report. That's what's happening with many Christians. Oh, the devil, the devil, the devil. They give more credence to the devil than they do to the power of Christ. Does the devil attack? Absolutely. Are there ways of the devil? Absolutely. Yes. But I'm under the blood. I'm under the blood. I'm a child of God. As far as I read, his head was crushed at Calvary. The devil's got a sore head. It's an eternal sore head. Did you know that? And all you need to do is start speaking the word. All you need to do is start giving the testimony of the saving grace of God in your life. All you need to do is start telling the devil, who do you think you're coming to? I'm a child of God. I'm washed in the blood. I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit. I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost. Who do you think you are, devil? We don't need to fear the devil. The devil's at work in all the nations of the earth. Absolutely is. We see it today, don't we? We see it everywhere. Of course he is. The devil's at work at all. But he's not omnipresent. He's not in your house and my house at the same time, you know, when he comes to torment us. He's not omnipresent. But his little minions are, and their spirits that may be to annoy us, of course. That may well be. But I can tell you this. Those spirits don't hold a candle to the power of Christ that is in you. Don't hold a candle to the spirit of the Lord that's in you. Christian, you need to realize who you are in Christ. These ten, oh, it's too great for us. Listen to Caleb. Now, Jabez was from a Calebite family. Remember that. He's a descendant of Caleb. When we look at Numbers 13, verse 30, it says, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. Eh? Caleb, you know what his name means? One, the main rendering of his name, there's a couple of different ones. The rendering of his name means dog. He didn't get a good start with a name like dog, so he didn't. But yet he's the one who's standing up and standing out. He is the one who's professing the overcoming spirit of God. There's an, old, there's an old saying that you throw a stone into a pack of dogs. You know which one you've hit 
because it's the one that's yelping. Who's heard that one? About six? Maybe. Is that just in Belfast or what is that? You throw a stone into a pack of dogs, you know which one you've hit because it's the one that's yelping. Caleb's name means dog, but he wasn't yelping because of someone throwing a stone. He was yelping in righteousness because he said, hold on a minute. Now just hold on a minute here. They're saying the walls are up to heaven and oh no, and the, uh, they're like giants and we're just little itty bitty grasshoppers. How did, they, how did they know they even fought that off them? How, what made those 10 men believe that they were like grasshoppers? I'll tell you why, they were believing a lie. They believed a lie. Do you know whenever you get defeated, brother or sister, do you know whenever you start to feel the downward trend? When you start believing the lie. When you start believing the lie of the devil, when you start believing you can't do it, you'll never do, you're not going to make it. Listen, I believe what God says rather than what the devil says. You know what he says? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't that what he says? All things, not a few things, a couple of things, a number of things. I can do all things through Christ. The devil is a liar and the father of it. Stop listening to the lies of the devil. Listen, do you see the unbeliever, the unsaved? They believe the devil's lies all the time and they don't know it. Don't need to get saved. You're all right. Sure, if you did, what about your friends and what about your family or what about your drink and what about this, that and the other? Just leave it. I, all right, devil, you've coaxed me into it. I love this devil. Devil doesn't love you, well. He doesn't love you. For the thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what he thinks of you. That's what he wants for you. That's what he will do to you. The thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Listen to what Jesus says. I am come that they may have life. They may have it more abundantly. You see, here we find that Caleb steps forward, but he's hit with a stone of righteous anger. Hold on a minute. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it. But right now, Caleb, we're wore out. Caleb, they're, they're too big, they're too great. Caleb says, yeah, are you going on the flesh, brother? Are you going on the flesh, sister? Are all you Israelites going on the flesh, he says? Eh? Are all you Israelites going on the flesh, or, or are you walking in the Spirit? Are you walking in the Spirit? Caleb was a man of the Spirit. Notice here it says, let us go up at once and possess it. We'll take it. No doubting here. For we are well able to overcome. Listen, negative people, negative people will dull the Spirit's laid vision. Negative people will dull the Spirit's laid vision. And and an evil report may cause an exaggerated response. That's what I wrote. 
An evil report may cause an exaggerated response. For example, they said we can't go, the, the cities are walled up to heaven. That was an evil report. That's the negativity. You know, you, you, need, you need to get among believers who are wanting to go on with God, brother. And I hate to say it, but sometimes you need to let the dead bury their dead. By all means, encourage. By all means, help. By all means, be there. By all means. But listen, after a while, you have to go on with God, sister. You have to press on, no matter the uh, matter the battle, no matter the hill, no matter the river to cross, no matter the mountain to climb or the valley to traverse. You've got to press on because if you make it tired, you make it weary. But that's okay. You can be tired in the work. As long as you're not tired off the work. You can be tired in the walk. As long as you're not tired off the walk with Christ. You need to press on negative, negative uh, people, negative thoughts, grumpy, bitter, angry, sullen people all the time with their face like a lurgan spade will eventually dig your grave. They'll dig your grave, brother. They'll dig your grave, sister. Negative people will dull the spirits-led vision. An evil report may cause an exaggerated response. There's the exaggerated response. Oh, look, it says, oh, we can't do this. Listen to what it says. In chapter 14 of the book of Numbers, verse 1, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept all night. Talk about going to church and coming out with your heart in your boots. That's what's wrong with our nation today too. That's what's wrong with these islands. That's what's wrong with Ulster. That's what's wrong with Ireland. That's what's wrong with England, Scotland and Wales. There's no vision. But flesh, that's all they have. There's no, there's no word from them. There isn't even a, 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 someone trying to stand up in Parliament and, and cry out to, uh, uh, to the, all the sins of the nation. There's nobody doing that. Listen, wouldn't it be great this morning? Wouldn't it have been fantastic this morning as it's the 12th of July and those who would have lined the, the footpaths for miles and walked the roads, wouldn't it be great if every church was full of them hearing the gospel this morning? Since it's not on them, wouldn't it have been great if they had had it in their mind to get in? And the vision and the leadership is gone. You watch this space. Some of you are with me a year, two, three. Some of you are with me. I don't know. How long, Tracy? Twelve. Twelve years. And from all that twelve years, I've been saying it. We've been prophesying it. This is what's coming. This is what's happening. The Spirit has been speaking and prophesying in our other building before even the very, this whole COVID episode, the lockup, telling us, prepare all of these great things that are coming. And the people, even in church at times, were switched off. 
switched off. Notice here, there's three people I want to bring before you. First of all, there's the optimist. Would you say optimist? I don't know, there's more than, I don't know what is there. Well, there are a couple of hundred people this morning. So we should be able to do a bit louder than that. Would you say optimist? That's better, thank you. The optimist sees a glass half full. Sees a glass half full. The pessimist, would you say pessimist? The pessimist sees the glass half empty. Would you say psalmist? Say it louder, psalmist. Thank you. The psalmist says, he anointeth my head with oil, my cup runneth over. I want to be in the psalmist band. That's what I want to be in. The optimist is good. The pessimist, well, they'd see a brick and think it's for throwing, especially if you live in North Belfast, where I come from. The pessimist, well, you can be around them for long and they'll, they'll build nothing. They'll go nowhere. Brother, sister, see every one of you in here. You all have a potential to do something for God. Every single one of us. Every one of us has a potential to do something for Christ. Every one of us has a potential. Every one of us have got gifts and talents and abilities. And God has placed them in you even from, a birth, from birth. He's enabled you to hone those talents and to cultivate them. Spiritual gifts. Some of you have got spiritual gifts too. And you've let them die in you. And some of you have got gifts with your hands and your labor and so on. And you know what happens? After a while, they all die. I'm the pessimist because my glass is half empty. I used to. I used to serve the Lord. What do you mean used to? Do you know there's no retirement in God's work? Do you know that? My last place I worked, pastored in, they believed that God's men retired from ministry at 65 or 60 even. God's people don't retire. You don't retire. Alison said to me not so long ago, she says to me, do you realize that you, that you haven't even got a pension? I says, well, I don't intend to retire. When I retire, I'll be laid down my back and carried out in a box. You don't retire in God's work. And I'll show you how you don't retire in God's work. This man, Caleb, says we're well able to overcome this. He was like the psalmist. My cup runs over. My cup runneth over. In Joshua 14 and verse 2, an aged Caleb said to Joshua, and he's 85 years of age, 85 years of age. If the Lord spurs me to I'm 85, 
you'll have to spare me to my I'm 85 sometimes. But if the Lord spares me to I'm 85, I intend to keep on serving. Joshua 14 and 12, it says, and Caleb said to Joshua, listen, now therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake on that day. 85 years of age, he wants to go and conquer a mountain. He wants to go and possess a mountain where there could be enemies, enemy in the bush or in enemy village or whatever it was there. He's going, give me this mountain. Wouldn't you think 85 would be saying, I can't climb those stairs because, uh, you know, I'm 85 now. Last Sunday night at the drive-in when we had past McConnell there, he's 83, and afterwards uh, we took him for a cup of tea and the steps were, you know, pretty steep. And I says, you're right getting up those steps. He was way up it with the bar like this. He, he knew there was cake and buns up there, and he says, I ain't going up here. I'm going for my tea. I says, okay. So coming down again, I says, well, I'm going to walk in front of you in case you trip and fall. He says, will you beat me down? He beat me down the steps. Brothers and sisters, Caleb is 85 and he hasn't retired and he's looking for a mountain. Caleb was ready to climb and possess that which God had said was his through Moses. At 85, Caleb was ready to climb and possess the promise and at 85, Caleb wasn't ready to retire but he was ready to receive are you ready to receive what God has for you? So this is Jabez pedigree. While it is documented in the scriptures, this isn't his, it isn't his pedigree that he's known for. Wouldn't have mattered what his lineage was if he didn't know the Lord. His strength wasn't in Caleb. His strength was in the Lord God of Israel. Look at the time it is already. Better wrap this up. Haven't touched the prayer yet this morning either. <laughs> I sat yesterday all afternoon right through the last night writing to. And I didn't need it. <laughs> Notice here. All of this that Caleb is, is because of who God is. Will you turn with me to Philippians chapter 3? And we'll wrap it up and let everyone get away home. Because I know you are all busting to get out to the drive-in the night at 6 o'clock. People start looking at the floor and all, and whenever the pastor looks in, the drive-in at 6 o'clock. I was thinking ice cream. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3. And let's just read from verse 4. Listen to what Paul says. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof it might, he might trust in the flesh, I more. Paul's saying... Look, because of who I am and my pedigree, if anybody wants to look at the flesh, then I can. He gives his pedigree, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, 
concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Stop for a moment here. The things that you count gain, the things that you love so much, uh, the things that have become almost idolatrous in your life, the things that you hold on to because maybe you've worked hard for all of those things. Can I ask you this morning, now afternoon, can I ask you, would you be willing to set them aside, put them behind you and count them as loss? that you may be filled with more of Christ. Are you willing? How How much do you want him? How much do you want him? How much do you want Christ in your life? How much? And, and in, this, you know, in this, Paul is saying, I want to know him. Let's read on here. He says, verse 8, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. There's our goal. There's our aim. That I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is off the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. What's Paul saying? Paul is saying, it's not by my works, not by my arms, it's not by my lineage, it's not by my deeds, it's not by my doings. Know what he's saying? It's not by my religious affiliation. He's not saying it's because I was a Pharisee or a Hebrew or an Israelite or a Benjaminite. He says, none of it counts. He says, it's nothing to do with that. It's not to do with the religion or denomination. He says, it's by faith in Christ. By faith in Christ. Our salvation is by faith in Christ alone. Our righteousness is in Christ. Our hope is in Christ. All we are is in Christ. I'll close here. Verse 10, that I may know him. The word here, that I may know him, it's a, it means to know by experience. The more you walk, the longer you walk, the more you yield yourself to Jesus, the more you give to Christ, the more you surrender to the Spirit's leading, the more you hand to him, the more you put behind you, the more you trample underfoot, the more you receive of him is the more experiencing of him that I may know him by experience. Have you experienced 
the power and person of Christ. It's not religion. It's not religion. It's relationship. Religion is taking millions and billions over the years to hell. It's salvation found in the person of Christ rather than holding to religion. He says that I may know him, the power of his resurrection. Isn't that fantastic? What is the resurrection? That's him raising the dead at the coming of Christ. I, might, I want to know that power. Christian, let me just stop again. I, I'm going to keep stopping. I'm going to wrap, give me another two minutes. That I may know him by experience and the power of his resurrection. Paul is saying he wanted to know that power, present tense. Not just when he dies and Christ returns and he's raised from the ground. Not, not just then. I want to know that power now. Do you know what that power is? Holy Spirit. Who raised Jesus from the dead? God raised him. Holy Ghost raised him. Jesus says that if he was crucified and he died and was laid in the tomb, he says, destroy this temple, this body, and in three days I will raise it up again. That power is in you, and in you, and in you, and in you, and in you. That's what Paul's speaking of here. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in every believer. Every blood-washed child of God. Here's one we don't like. That I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable on his death. See, we love all the glory side, but we don't want to know the gory side. We don't want to know the gory details of the sufferings. And you're going to have trials and temptations and troubles, but what did we start off with? I can do how many things? Believer, you're leaving here very shortly. And whatever comes today or tomorrow, are you going to get through it? Are you going to get through it? Are you going to get through it? Here's a better one. Are you going to overcome it? Believer, are you going to overcome it? Are you going to overcome it over there? Why? I can do all things. I can do all things. Who drives you, Ken? Christ drives me. Why do you get out of bed in the morning when you get hammered so much at times? Because I get out of bed because he gets me out of bed. Why do you keep believing when things seem so impossible? Because I'm not in control and in the flesh. He's in control. He's in my flesh. He does the work. Well, I do one more week at this because... I haven't touched the prayer yet, and we'll stop there. Here's things to note, and you can read over the prayer during the week. Here's some things that's noted. First of all, God. All begin with G. God of Israel. 
Secondly, his grace is in this. Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed. Thirdly, his growth. And enlarge my coast. Fourthly, his guidance. That thine hand might be with me. And fifthly, his guardianship. That thou wouldst keep me from evil. That it might not grieve me. And we're told the Lord wouldn't answer him. It's not what it says. It says, and God answered his prayer. God's a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. Amen. God bless his word to us this morning. I don't know about you, but I just, I look forward to being in the house of God, especially whenever it was shut down for so long, things were shut down. I look forward to being, you say, but this is a warehouse. Listen, see when you're here, the Holy Ghost is in you, isn't he? So it's sanctified. You're sanctified. I'm sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Isn't that right? You sanctify the place in here where we worship. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. This is a temple you're in. We're all fitly framed together, living stones. And when we worship, the Holy Ghost is in us, moving and flowing. We're what's called in the Greek New Testament, the naos of God. We are the naos. It was the inner sanctuary of the Holy of Holies. It was called the naos in the temple and earlier in the tabernacle. Well, now all that's done away with. And who is the naos? You and I are the naos. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen.